0: seven and uh, this is a tremendous turned out to be a pretty good crowd once everybody got in place and and uh, all of that and I know it's uh, the weather has been uh, a little bit unusual for this time of uh, for this part of the country uh, I know 97 degrees I think was the official high and uh, that's uh, that's pretty warm and uh, no matter how you slice it <coughs> how many of you you would still prefer cold weather over summer weather. Any day. How many would say that? Wait a minute, let me put my hand down. You can keep yours up, I'll put mine down. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, it, uh, it has been very, very warm. And uh, of course, uh, we did have to postpone the prime timers activity uh, because of the, the extreme heat, but I think that was the right thing to do. But uh, that is rescheduled, and so uh, please keep that in mind. We'll get that in here uh, in, in a little bit but uh <coughs> i was thinking about summertime and some of the things that we like about summertime some of the things we don't like about summertime and uh i was uh doing some yard work the other day and and uh the friendly fly came around me and uh how, how many of you know what i'm talking about there's that 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 fly that you can't get rid of you know what i'm talking about and uh what a nuisance uh, you know i, I know that I know that all of God's creation serves a purpose, but I'm still trying to figure out what the fly is supposed to be. But anyway, I was, I was talking to Dr. Tom Williams at teen camp a few weeks ago, and he told the story, he said, about down in Texas when he was a kid growing up in West Texas. They, he went to a church where it was out in the country, and it was, uh, it was so long ago that the, the church, they would just open, they, they didn't have air conditioning, they didn't have ceiling fans, the only fans in the building were the ones that the ladies used to fan themselves with. And uh, he said they didn't have any screens on the windows in those days. And so they just lift those windows up and it's you know mid-July and August and they're sweltering in there. And so they're just trying to catch what little bit of breeze they could. And, and so uh, of course, when you raise the windows and there's no screens, obviously there's other folks that come into the building besides uh, human beings amen and and flies were getting bad one night, and uh he said his preacher had a verse for everything he said he just had a verse didn 't matter what happened, he had a verse for it, and his preacher was was uh was preaching along and and uh and he sucked in one of those flies i mean just i mean just down he went, and that 's always a blessing and uh Somebody on the front row said, hey, preacher, you got a verse for that. He said, I sure do. He was a stranger, and I took him in. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so uh, <laughs> sometimes there's some unwelcome additions to the church service. Amen. <clears throat> I appreciate you being here. It's great to have Ms. Johanson with us, and uh, she's been uh, battling for her health in recent days as well. It's great to have her back in church this morning. And again, if I missed you, please forgive me. Matthew chapter 7, if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter number 7. And we'll read just three verses this morning from Matthew chapter number 7. Verse 21 is where we'll begin. Jesus here is, is preaching and teaching and warning folks. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Notice verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Verse 23 is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Jesus said, and then I will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. I want to preach to you this morning, not a a lengthy message, but a very sobering message. And the title is simply this, Empty Professors. Empty Professors. And let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments that we'll share in uh, your house on the Lord's Day. Father, I pray that you'd uh, help us to examine ourselves and make sure that we are uh, in the faith. Father, I pray that if there's one here this morning who doesn't know Christ, what a what a tragedy it would be for somebody to attend the services week in and week out, perhaps even to be a member of this Bible preaching Independent Baptist Church, and yet to die lost without the Savior. Father, I pray that we would uh, we nail it down, if need be, this morning. Father, if we are saved, I pray that you'd use the message this morning to give us assurance. And then, Father, if we're not saved, if anyone here doesn't know the Savior, please, Father, uh, I pray that your spirit would reveal it to them and uh, bring conviction and draw them to a saving knowledge of the Savior today. We ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. One of the most solemn and sobering thoughts that I have as a pastor and a preacher of the gospel is the scene that's played out in the message or in the passage that we just read this morning. Much of the Bible depicts scenes from the past. And uh, one of uh, everybody here has favorite Bible stories, or many of you have favorite Bible stories, and things that if you could go back into, your, into time and as you read the Bible and the history that's there, many of us would say, you know what, I'd love to go back and be a part of that scene in, in, in that passage in the Bible. Uh, I'd like to go back and and see firsthand what. The flood, the catastrophic worldwide flood, uh, was really all about, and to see the the uh, the uh, fountains of the deep broken up, and 40 days of torrential rain, and and uh, of course we have these thunderstorms pop up this time of year, and and you can get a lot of rain in a little bit of time, and and so forth, and there can be flash flooding and so forth, but nothing could compare to what happened uh, in in the days of Noah, and we read all of these stories that depict the. Uh, historical events that happened in the past. But Matthew 7 is different. The scene that we just read is not a scene taken from the past. Instead, it's a scene that Jesus said will happen in the future. It's yet to come. Notice the three words in verse number 22, if you will. He said, many will say to me, notice the next three words, in that day in that day he said many will say unto me in that day the day that he's describing is yet to come but mark it down this morning it certainly will come it certainly will come one of the best tests of everything that we think and say and do is how it will appear in the moment of death one good barometer in how to value your life And where it's heading right now is not in the things that you possess. In our culture, in our society, we're so prone to measure our lives based on pleasure, based on things, based on how we feel, based on some things that are very temporary in our lives. But as you read Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23, uh, one of the best tests of everything we think, say, and do is how it will appear In that day, the day that we stand before our creator. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Judgment is coming for all of us. Like it or not, it's coming for all of us. You're not going to escape it. You're not going to uh, call in sick that day. You're not going to stand out in the hallway and avoid it. You're not going to to, to get somebody to sub in for you on that day. No, sir. there's, There's a judgment day coming for each and every one of us. And Jesus, in this passage, depicts what judgment day is going to be like for people that I'll call, for the sake of the message this morning, empty professors. Empty professors. How important will it be when we cross from this life and into the next? For those of us, by the way, saved or lost, there is a judgment coming. Now, the Bible is very clear that there will be two different judgments, one for those who are saved, one for those who are lost. If you are a saved person, meaning you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that's called the judgment seat of Christ, it's mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and other passages throughout the New Testament, but it's the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of seat, if you will. It's where uh, those of us who are saved will stand before the Lord, and the Bible says we'll give an account of our lives and what we've done for Christ since we've been saved. Oh no, we'll not give an account for our sins because if you're saved, your sins have already been judged. Your sins were judged at Calvary 2,000 years ago. That's a wonderful thing. But if you're saved, you'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And may I say this morning, even at that judgment, uh, the best way to gauge our lives right now is to think ahead, to look ahead, and try to figure out what does my life, what is important to me now, but how important will that be in that day when I stand before the Lord? Uh, The Bible talks about... Uh, our, our works will be tried so as by fire. And he gives two classifications there. He talks about wood, hay, and stubble. Let me tell you, friend, if you put fire to wood, hay, and stubble, it's gone. In just a little bit. It's gone. It's consumed in just a few moments. He said, your works will be uh, will uh, will be tried by fire and they will prove to either be that of wood, hay, stubble consumed or they will be uh, uh, gold, silver and precious stones, things that stand the test of the fire. Hey, I'm simply trying to get us all thinking ahead a little bit this morning and say, how important will our lives be and what we hold dear today in that day? How will it be measured in the day of judgment? How will your works stand up in the day of judgment? The way we spend our time, how will it be viewed in that day? Our pursuits of pleasure and riches and successes and honors, how much will they matter in that day? Because may I say this morning, that day is coming. That day is coming. And our view of life is often limited to what we can experience with our physical senses. Our view of life is is limited to what we can see and what we can feel and and what is tangible and uh, what we can hear and what is gratifying to our flesh. In fact, later in this chapter, Jesus gives an illustration of how foolish it is to be unprepared for eternity because he gives a comparison of two men who built a house. Later in the chapter, he says uh, uh, there was a man who uh, he built his house on a sure foundation. He built his house on a rock. He built his house on something that would withstand the storms of life. He built his house on something that would, that would, uh, uh, would withstand the torrential rains and the wind storms and the blizzards of the wintertime and the extreme heat of the summertime. He built his house with, uh, uh, with uh, dur- uh, durability in mind, and so he put it on a firm foundation. And then Jesus tells about another man who built his house. On the sand, an unsure foundation. And he was using that illustration to bring to light to those who are listening that day you know what? One day, what's really important is going to matter in that day, the day of judgment. Let's read verse 22 once again and give heed to the warning that's given about an empty profession an empty profession. Look with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 22. And let's read it all out loud together, shall we? Matthew chapter 7, verse number 22. And let's read it together. Ready to begin. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? That's interesting. So we hear... See, in that day, the day of judgment, that there will be people who have made a profession of salvation. People standing there, when all of this world is said and done, and there's judgment day is upon us. By the way, the other judgment that I did not mention just a few moments ago is the great white throne judgment. And that judgment is a judgment that is reserved for those who are not saved for those who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. And there'll be some people at that great white throne judgment who are going to try to talk their way out of it, according to what Jesus said right here. Because he said, many will say in that day, notice what he said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. You see, they have a profession of salvation, but they are not possessors of Jesus Christ. You see, you can prof—you make all the professions you want to make, but make sure the profession is backed up by a possession. Make sure that what you say about your faith in Christ is backed up by your faith in Christ. Make sure that your profession is real, he said. In verse number seven, or chapter seven, verse 23, "And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you." I don't know if there's a sadder verse in all the Bible. "I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This scene is disturbing, to say the least, but it's good for us to be warned today rather than to be found wanting tomorrow. You say, preacher, why would you preach something like this on a Sunday morning in a crowd where where, uh, many people have a testimony of of salvation? Look, I'm not here to try to get get you to doubt your salvation this morning, but I do think every now and then it's good for us to take it out and look at it. He said in another passage, he said, let man examine himself, whether he be in the faith. You understand, Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of them wasn't saved. We'll come back to that here in just a few moments. But the scene, as disturbing as it may be, is good for us because we should be warned today rather than to be found wanting tomorrow when it happens. Let me share with you several things we will be done this morning. Number one, I want you to see this, a significant number. A significant number. Look at verse 22 again. Notice the very first word. Say it out loud with me. Ready? What is it? Many. 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 Not a handful, not a few, not a smattering. say, what's a smattering? I don't know, but (laughs) it's it's one here and one there. He said, many will say unto me in that day. We're not talking about one or two folks here, people. This is a solemn warning because of the significant number. Many will say unto me in that day, we're not talking about a scattered few people. The story does not represent a statistical anomaly or an irregularity on Judgment Day. The, the, uh, uh, the implication here is this will be a common occurrence at the judgment of the unsaved where folks who thought they were saved are not saved. People who were there with a profession of, but not a possession. Many people who thought they were okay, many false professors, many who thought they were saved, thought they were going to to be admitted to heaven, only to be identified by the Savior as a stranger. A stranger. When he looks at somebody and says, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew. By the way, let me say this, if Jesus ever knows you, you're good. (laughs) Because you can't lose it. One saved, always saved. I was clear on that. that He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Thank God for the security of the believer that we have in Christ. But let me tell you something. (laughs) This this isn't talking about people who had something at one time and lost it. He said, I never knew you. I never knew you. What a sad statement. But it's a significant number. And to me, my friend, that's what's disturbing. That's what's disturbing. On any given Sunday, any given service, as I look out, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, that, that, uh, is, is concerning to me in a great way is the fact that there would be people who sit in these pews week after week after week after week, hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and who die not saved. Not saved a significant number many will say unto me in that day then i want you to see this a spiritual assembly i use the word spiritual in quotation marks there a spiritual assembly the many here are all a part of a crowd that we would call the religious crowd a religious crowd we're not talking about people who are avowed atheists now we're not talking about people who shake their fists in the face of a righteous holy god and, uh, uh, and, and deny his existence or, or profane his name. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that we would say, that you would say, that's a religious guy. These are church-going people. These are uh, uh, folks who are upstanding individuals, morally, in many cases. But the many here are, ha, all have a part, uh, or all a part of, which we, of a crowd that we would say is a religious crowd. These many are described here, that they're not the off-scouring of society. Instead, these would be considered by many to be among the cream of the crop. If you didn't know any better. Who are these people? Who are these people? First of all, I want you to notice their speech. Notice their speech. Look at what they say. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? They'll be there at this judgment. Jesus is the judge. And they look at him, hoping to get into heaven, and they say, Lord, Lord. You know, the word Lord means master. Master. They give lip service to who Jesus is, but they don't have Jesus. They made a profession of belonging to him. They said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? May I translate that? Uh, Look at what we've done. Jesus, we've even said good things about you. The word prophesied sometimes in the Bible could be translated or, or uh, interpreted as preaching. Not just telling the future, but prophesying many times is talking about preaching or teaching. Lord, Lord, we told people about you. Lord, Lord, we shared scriptures with people. Lord, Lord, we did things in your name. Lord, don't you recognize us? Hey, Lord, Don't you see us? Don't you recognize us? In Luke chapter 6 and verse number 46, Jesus said this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's interesting, isn't it? Another passage, different part of the New Testament, different different book altogether. And Jesus said to a group of people, Look, why are you calling me Lord, interpreted master, and don't do what I tell you to do? The master-servant relationship of that day was much akin to our employer-employee relationship. Boss-servant relationship, if you will. And Jesus said, look, don't call me Lord, don't call me master, and then turn around and not subscribe, not not buy in to what I'm all about, to what I say. He said, identify yourself correctly. And these folks, in the day of judgment, they refer to Jesus as being Lord, but he was not Lord at all. He wasn't their savior. They they, they had never, again, there was a profession, but no possession. Notice not only their speech, but notice also their claims of service. Their claims of service. Look Look at it again, if you will, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in that name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, They said, we've preached, we've proclaimed, we've cast out devils, we've done many wonderful works. By the way, that word wonderful there, in the original, it's the word dunamis, the Greek word dunamis. That is the word from which we get our word dynamite. (laughs) May I translate what they're saying? Lord, have we not done many powerful things, many dynamite things in your name? Lord, we've done some amazing things. We've done some things that have made everybody wonder we've done some things that have really impressed a lot of people their claims of service they say lord our works have amazed others Uh, we've really wowed the crowds at times because of all the wonderful things and on top of that notice the next thing not only their speech and their service but notice their claims to his name their claims to jesus name in thy name look at how many times Three times in that verse you read, in thy name, in thy name. Jesus, we've preached in your name. Jesus, we've witnessed in your name. Jesus, we've cast out devils in your name. Jesus, we've done many wonderful works in your name. It's used three times in their appeal to the Savior on the day of judgment, and apparently these people are accustomed to doing everything in his name. These folks gave all of the outward appearances of being straight down the line, orthodox Christians, if you will. No one doubted them on this earth. No one questioned their sincerity. No one suspected them of hypocrisy. And here we see, even on Judgment Day, their claim is steadfastly to use his name to the judge himself. Lip service. They knew what to say. They knew how to say it. I can't help but think about another Bible character, and I mentioned him in passing just a few moments ago, although we didn't mention mention his name then, but his name is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot fits this bill to a T. He's the, the named example of somebody who was a professor, but not a possessor. Think about Judas for a moment with me. Judas was hand-chosen by the Savior to follow him. I mean, hand-picked. Jesus spent all night in prayer, and then the next day he went and he saw Peter, James, and John at the Sea of Galilee. They were were mending their nets, and he said, y'all come and follow me. I'll give you a better life than what you have right now. I'll make you fishers of men. And they did. And, of course, he went to the receipt of custom, and he saw Matthew, the publican, the tax collector there, and he said, Matthew, I'll give you a lot better life than you have working for the Roman government. Hey, why don't you stop what you're doing and follow me? And Simon the Canaanite, and Andrew, uh, Peter's brother, and Nathaniel, the Bible says, the disciple in whom was no guile, and on and on, man by man, among those chosen by the Savior that day was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Can I tell you something about Judas? He was an upstanding individual, outwardly. Can I tell you something about Judas? He was trusted. He was trusted. You say, how do you know he was trusted? I'll I'll tell you how we know he was trusted. In fact, he may have been one of the most considered, one of the most trustworthy of the disciples is because he was the treasurer. You don't just give your wallet to somebody you don't trust. At least I don't think you do. But you know what? <clears throat> the Bible says that he he held the bag. He was trusted. He was somebody. He was hand-chosen by the Savior. No one questioned his loyalty. No one suspected him. In fact, on the occasion of the Last Supper, you've heard it many times, but Jesus said on this night one of you is going to betray me. And the Bible says immediately the disciples began to, to uh, talk among themselves and they began to ask jesus himself they'd say jesus lord is it i is it me is it me peter said lord is it i john the beloved said lord is it i james said, lord is it i andrew bartholomew on down the line they went but you 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 never read anything in that narrative where anybody looked at judas and said hey i bet it's him yep nobody said that he was trusted Nobody questioned his loyalty. No one questioned him as the betrayer. But Judas was the ultimate in looking the part. He was right there. One problem. He was lost. He was lost. He was so close to the door of heaven and yet died and went to hell. You think about that? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Judas was there. Jesus said, I'm the door to heaven. Judas was there. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. All you got to do is partake of me and you'll never die. Judas was there. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. If you partake of this water of life, you'll never thirst. He was there at the the well of Sychar in John chapter 4. More than likely, he heard Jesus say to the woman at the well, hey, if you partake of the living water, you'll never thirst again. And Judas was right there, and yet he never partook. He was a professor, but never a possessor. That's disturbing. That's disturbing. And perhaps the most disturbing thing about it is if it could happen of one in 12, it could happen of one in a couple hundred. Again, the purpose of the message is not for me to get you to doubt your salvation. The purpose of the message is for you to have assurance of your salvation. Examine yourself. Know that you're in the faith. We see, first of all, The fact that there was a significant number of people, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says to them, I never knew you. Hey, there was a, it's a spiritual assembly, spiritual in quotes there, because they are a religious crowd. And then I want you to finally this morning, I want you to see the spirit, the, the Savior's answer, the Savior's answer. One of the most shocking verses in the Bible, verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The very one that they called Lord is now handing down the sentence that cannot be recalled, altered, or ended. He's going to say, depart from me into everlasting fire, prepared for Satan and his angels. He said, I never knew you. their religious observances, there was one glaring oversight. They didn't possess the Savior. Oh, they looked apart. Oh, they were in some religious assemblies, much like this one. Oh, they may have had a position of leadership, like Judas, but they weren't saved. In their good and noble deeds, they left the most important thing undone. They prophesied, but they never prayed. They performed the commendable and the wonderful works, but they never took care uh, care of the essential work of inward faith. They used his name, but they never owned his name. And now, he who wanted so desperately to be their Savior is now their judge. Their judge. By the way, in that day, in that day, it's too late to do anything about it. In that day, there will be no, wait a minute, let me go make this right. There won't be any of that. In that day, there'll be no second guessing. In that day, there'll be no mercy. The mercy's right now. The grace is right now. Words that sealed their fate. I never knew you. They were false professors. They professed to be saved, but they were not. They maintained their false profession for a lifetime, but in that day, in that day, the truth will be realized. You see, for those people, and again, this is something that's not yet happened. You know, we look at many stories in the Bible, and we see... and we learn, and we gain, and we are edified by what we learned that happened in the past, this is a warning of something that is yet to happen in the future. And it's a warning for all of us. Warning for all of us. You say, Pastor, I grew up in a Christian home. So will some of these people. So will some of these people. You say, Pastor, church is all I've ever known. I dare say that'll be the testimony of some of those folks. You say, pastor, I sing in the choir. It doesn't enumerate singing in the choir, but they did say, we prophesied in your name. They did say, we've done many wonderful works. They did say, we've cast out devils. They did say things like that. So you could add other wonderful works there but pastor i worked on a bus route but pastor i've given myself to help others but pastor i've done service for the church but pastor i'm separated but pastor i have high personal standards but pastor i'm moral hey you don't need to say but pastor because in that day they're saying but lord but lord but lord but lord what about all these things and he says depart from me i never knew you they were professors, but not possessors. What about you this morning? What about you? I can't think of a more tragic event than for people right here in our church. Stand before the Lord in that day and realize that yours has been an empty profession. You say, but preacher, I got baptized when I was a child, or I got baptized as an adult. Baptism doesn't take you to heaven. Never has, never will. But pastor, I was confirmed as a baby. Never saved anybody. But pastor, I've kept the sacraments. Never saved anybody. But pastor, I've I've partaken of the Lord's table, and I have, uh, you know, I, I've faithful been faithful to my family. Good mother, good husband, good good wife, good father. Whatever the case may be, you say. It'll mean nothing. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? There will be an eternity to regret having an empty, false profession of salvation. You see, once that day comes, too late to do anything about it. I got good news for you. We're not to that day yet. Hey, you can still do something about it in this day. Hey, now is the accepted time, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Hey, don't be so proud. Don't be so arrogant. Don't be so filled with yourself that you won't humble yourself and, and, and deal with this today. You say, preacher, what will people think about me in the church this morning? I'll tell you what people think about you. They'll say, boy, I'm sure glad he got that squared away. There'll be a room full of people who'll rejoice and who'll be exceeding glad. Hey, we'll join the choruses of heaven where the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that comes to repentance. Hey, that's what they'll think. By the way, who cares what anybody thinks? does it matter what anybody thinks. Hey, you're among friends this morning, I can tell you that. But if you weren't, What difference does it make? If I had the slightest doubt about my standing with the Lord, I'd get it settled today. Today. Because in that day, it'll be too late. In that day, there'll be no do-overs. In that day, he who was the Savior of the world will be judged of the universe, judge uh, and 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 uh, 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 it's a sentencing in that day. Today is grace. That day is judgment. Today is long suffering. That day is damnation. Today is mercy, and that day is justice. Today is 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 grace, and that day it's what what did you do with Jesus? better take care of it today take care of it today i've said it often don't go to hell from the pews of the lake christ baptist church not trying to scare anybody not trying to cause doubt but one of the most sobering thoughts i have as a pastor is that somebody would come to this church week after week after week after month after month after year after year All to stand at a judgment bar one day and say, Lord, Lord, Then not I go soul winning? Lord, didn't I teach a Sunday school class? Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute, b- 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 wait a minute before you throw me into the lake of fire. Lord, I sang in the choir. Lord, I sang specials behind the pulpit. Lord, I preached messages. Lord, I drove a bus. Lord, I did this. And Lord, I did that. And Lord, I was faithful in my tithing. And Lord, I did all these wonderful things. He know you today. Are you his child? Have you been birthed into his family? Jesus said to Nicodemus, "Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He can't, can't see the kingdom of heaven. Are you his child? But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Make sure you're in the faith. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.